0: I had this moment, I actually had like a series of dreams that like Peter Gabriel told me I should be a musician. Like it was very strange. It was a very strange time.
1: This is 5 to 9, a podcast where we discover the hidden passions and hobbies that engineering, product, and technology leaders obsess over on the workday app. Hey, thank you for coming here today. This is super exciting. For me, like we we're kind of talking about your background and I was like, this is exciting because, uh, you know, well, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself for a second first, and then I'm going to come back to why it's exciting. So <laughs> um, I'm Andrew Lau. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO here of Jellyfish, uh, but we're really here to talk about it, Colette. So please tell me why you're here and then like let's and, and what you do. And then I'll tell you why it's extra
0: exciting on two levels. I'm Colette Alexander. I, uh, I'm i a mom of two kids, three and one, so insanity. Uh, and I'm a master's of science student at Lund University in Sweden, studying human factors and system safety, which is very exciting. I'm a cellist. Uh, I played the cello and rock bands. I think that's why I'm here. And uh, also, I work at a company called HashiCorp. I'm a director of engineering for their SRE team.
1: Do you mind sharing your journey? Because I don't get to meet many folks that are like, oh yeah. And I play professional cello on the side kind of like, how do those things like meet up and like, like, how does that all happen? Because, you know, I want to be that all the things too. So how how does one get there or how did you get there?
0: (laughs) By the time I was in high school, I was like competing in concerto competitions and doing a bunch of other stuff. And, um, practicing like three hours a day and after school i would basically come home and practice until dinner time oh you were you
1: were like a good like most most kids have to wrestle with their parents for practice time and and you actually do it
0: i mean it was kind of like my best friend you know like i not that i i did i had friends too like i had real friends too but um <laughs> but i hung out with my oh, child probably I promise, I promise. more than i hung out with my friends and yeah i just i was really interested in it you know i When I was 16 or 17, I sort of had, I like overplayed. And so I, I had problems with like numbness in my hands. I had to like kind of relearn how to play. And, and that was around the time that you would normally prepare for conservatory, right? Like if you're, if you're in, if you're like super classical instrument nerd, you're like prepping for your conservatory audition when you're like 14, 15, 16.
1: Oh, so you, you knew it early, early on. This wasn't just for kicks. Like you, you were feeling that.
0: I like kind of knew I wanted to do something with cello, but then this thing happened and I couldn't really prep as much. And I sort of was like, you know, I don't think I want to go to music school. And so I went to Sarah Lawrence and I, and when I was also in high school, I hung out on Freenets, uh, the first Freenets in the world were happening. So I was on Mnet back in the day. In college at Sarah Lawrence, I ran the student-run web server. I was like a assistance administrator for the student-run web server on campus. You were working both
1: sides the whole time.
0: Yeah. So that was like how I got into computer nerd things. I had studied academics as well as cello the whole time. And I thought I was going to go to law school. And then September 11th happened. Like my first week at, at my senior year in college. And I had to take my LSATs, like, five blocks from ground zero, like, three weeks after it happened. So that was really wild. And I really felt like the world had gone insane. We had this, I had this moment, I actually had, like, a series of dreams that, like, Peter Gabriel told me I should be a musician. Like it was very strange. It was a very strange time. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I think I need to try to go to music school, but I felt so unprepared because I had not been at conservatory for like a master's degree, but I found this program at, at, at California Institute of the arts. They do like um, world music there. They have like a lot of different, like avant-garde contemporary classical program, like folks com- composition. So I decided to go to Cal arts, for graduate school. I played like seven hours a day at Kellarts. And I still was like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm not really a classical musician. I don't feel like a classical musician. I'm learning all this world music. I'm learning all this contemporary music. I'm learning composition. And I was like looking at like foreign service exams and like, I don't know, maybe I'll like go do entry level. I, I had no idea what, was, what I was doing. And four days after I graduated, I had an audition with Rachel Yamagata, who's a singer songwriter. And she wanted a cellist to tour with her. You know, I was one of the only cellists who showed up who could improvise with her, um, who was willing to just sort of sit and improvise while she played. A lot of other cellists needed like sheet music and stuff. Right. And so I fell into like touring with rock bands and working with rock bands for about 10 years. So that was like, wow, like all over the place. Yeah. All
1: right. So that tells me how you got there. Yeah. How did you come back?
0: Well, I you know, I think like I worked with a lot of really awesome singer songwriters. The relationships that you develop with people that you tour with are super tight knit. It feels like you're at summer like you're at a summer camp. And so I loved I loved it, but coming home from tours really hard. Um, because it's sort of like coming down from that like, you know, high. And I found relationships very hard to keep. Like romantic relationships were uh. really hard to keep because I would be out for you know, sometimes if, if I had a good year, I would be out for nine, 10 months of the year. I would just be on oh the road. Oh
1: my God. All right. And, That's a lot of traveling.
0: And in 2007, I, I got a really amazing gig. I I, um, I was able to tour with Josh Groban as his solo cellist, and I was sort of subbing for a, a cellist that had worked with him already, um, but I, she was out on tour with Knowles Barkley she couldn't do the A-Markets, which is what they call the like big city parts of a tour. A-Markets,
1: I'm gonna learn that um, word.
0: And Am so, I an
1: A-Market? Is Boston an <laughs> A-Market?
0: Boston is an A-Market. I did Boston on this tour yes. uh, with A-market. Josh. Word. So I did the A-Markets with Josh as his solo cellist. And um, I was really like, this was like the highest low. I mean, I w- we played sold out show at Madison Square Garden, right, and the Staples Center and all these huge places. And you got you got
1: you can't just drop these A market names like, "Well, what what is this Madison Square Garden moment?" Like what to talk about this thing.
0: Like, well, what's I mean, up it, there? with Madison Square Garden, it was like so sold out when you're when you're playing a show at Madison Square Garden is different than sold out when you're doing a sports thing, just so you know. So, cuz they have to like block off part of the back of the arena cuz you, unless you're doing a show in the round. So, Josh had like a proscenium show, right? So, like he had like parts of the thing blocked off. But I want to say it was like 18,000 people still. Still a oh, lot of people.
1: Yeah, a um, lot of energy. No pressure, no pressure. Yeah.
0: So we're playing these shows. We played Madison Square Garden. And I remember like walking off stage. I would have a break for about one song length during the, the set. And I would walk off stage and like have a glass of water or do what I needed to do backstage and come back on. And I went backstage and I looked in the mirror and I was like, is this it? This is it this is, this is it. I'm 27. Like, this is it. This is just a show. It is an amazing show. Um, but it is still just a show and it's ephemeral. And I was sort of like, if this is like the coolest thing I can say I've done when I die, is this like, am I cool with that? And I was not cool with that. I was very like, this is cool. I'm really grateful for it, but I want, I need something more. Like there needs to be something more. Um, and I realized in that moment I, I wanted to have kids. I realized in that moment I wanted to have a relationship. I realized in that moment I wanted to like make my own music and like kind of own what I was doing more. Right. Like there were a lot of other things I wanted. Um, so I started kind of moving away from touring.
1: Post that, like, you know, what's the, what's the synergy? Like, how do you, well, what's the, what's the, Hey, making your own music, but not touring, but yet have like, and some of this engineering stuff, like in, in life, like how did you, what, what is the new mix?
0: Well, right now the mix is like, I have two kids and I try to do work
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: up until I had my first, my daughter, who's my oldest. I played a lot. I actually like worked on the last big record that like came out, like is on Spotify and all the things, uh, that I worked on. I worked up right up until she was born, um, August of 2020. So I like, I, I have like, Probably pictures of me like super pregnant, like in this studio, trying to like you know play while I'm you know,
1: oh yeah, cello is hard to hold, yeah, right. This is uh, it's yeah. uh, you okay.
0: like my teacher actually had like a permanent mark on the back of her cello from when she was pregnant with her daughter, um, because it just sort of like rubbed up against the back of her cello over and over again for oh wow, 10 months. <laughs> Since then, I've just been sort of like making do, I think you make do right as a parent because. Your kids just that, are... That
1: is absolutely what you do, right? Like, I'll give you a preview. Like, for us, I mean, it's like, this morning, it's a scramble of, like, one kid wants not eat this. The other person, like, wants to eat school lunch or not. And, like, <laughs> you're like, okay, haven't eaten vegetables in several days. Is that okay? Like, I gotta get out the door. I gotta get here by, you know, this slot. Like, we're just gonna cram some stuff in a lunchbox and cross fingers, right? Like, it's just... You make do. Well, hey, you were talking about your, 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 your touring experience and... How do you think about it? Because, you know, Peter Gabriel has come up once already when we first connected. You, you told me you just came off a concert and yep. the feelings. Can you express like, you know, like, hey, are you get you know, like, look, you don't have as much music in your life now. How does that feel? Like, what does it mean? Right. Um, how do you think about it?
0: It kind of sucks. I mean, like my goal is to go back to playing to having more time to play but I know that something has to give in that balance of my life like My kids will get older. I think that will help. I will finish my thesis for school. That will help I think I have to go to some kind of like part-time like consulting tech thing at some point because I don't you still Only have so many hours in the day. So that's my goal.
1: We've talked about the things and how you got here Can we hear some of your music?
0: Okay I will do a shout out to Greg Glaswell here's about 12 of my cellos right up top
1: I mean i like this greg person but come on the cellos that's what it's about right hey so that is dope uh so that, that was worth all the av uh, work here uh it was totally worth all day. the so all right now you gotta teach and we're gonna nerd for a second because i, I want to yeah you just said there's 12 cellos i see one of you yes um so how the hell do you do this like what's the tech like how would that how do we well, do it right like what that happens just, here? And that's magic and talk studio, talk to me like tech. I'm a five year old or maybe a three year old. Like what happens here? Like how do you do your tech vibe on this thing?
0: Well, that's magic studio tech. So that's just like keep rolling and retrack, which is, you know, the studio. But uh, in when I'm doing live stuff, there are a lot of different options. I actually have my pedal board here if you want to see it.
1: Yeah, hit me. Like, show me, show me, show me. What is this? And, I, and and like again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I confront. Like, I know what you're talking about, but like, what is? Oh my God, look at that.
0: I really like to play with guitar effects pedals, which are yes, made for guitars. There really aren't any effects pedals made for cello, as far as I know. Um, but they sound kind of cool. But anyways, the the one far on the left, the like, tiny little one, that's called a Ditto, and that does live looping. It's like a very basic looping. Like you can get other looping pedals that are much more advanced but the dittos like gets the job done so
1: okay so i i, I know what a pedal is for a guitarist i yeah. never see them for cellists and so like both like how does that work like how do you how do you hit them like like last yeah. i checked cello doesn't have a have a, like it's not an electric cello right because i you know like no it's i not... i
0: have like a pickup on my cello like in between the foot of the bridge and the the cello itself oh you just uh, kind of like
1: just attach it you can just attach a pickup to it
0: yeah Yeah, they make them, there's like a guy in New York who makes them for instrumental. Like it's, it's a very, it's a niche, like rock, violin and cello is pretty niche, but he makes these tiny little, like it's just a copper transducer and it picks up between the bridge and the, the wood. And, and, then, and then that thing feeds like to an
1: amp or something like that, and then you, you. Well,
0: so I go into a tuning pedal, just like a guitarist does. This is like okay. a, a, a an acoustic DI, so that like boosts signal, and I can like normalize a little bit there. And then I have like, so my this is like what I would call my standard pedal chain plus one, which is the Pog right here. But like this is my distortion pedal. This is like a cathedral. Electro pedal. It has like a lot of reverb and delay and stuff, so I can like switch through this on settings. And then again, this is my looping pedal. This is the Pog 2, which is like it's supposed to make guitars sound like 12 strings, like like very. And this okay. kind of actually makes the cello like if it's if I'm going through like delay, and then this it kind of makes my cello sound like an organ. It's pretty cool.
1: I mean, I, by the way, just just for just for everybody here who can't see, like I'm looking at this thing that's, like, a <laughs> two-foot by five-foot board. That, it's that, a pretty big board. It's kind of holding yeah. on our lap that, like, yeah. I don't know. And how the hell do you do it? Because, like, I'm looking at this thing, and last, I remember when we played cello, you got both your hands tied up. Yes. You got your, like, cellos travel between you. Yeah. I don't even see how you touch this board thing.
0: Yeah, like that, so. Like, that you're,
1: you, you're right now holding above your head for me that's, like, Yeah. So, like, how do you do this?
0: So, this, I don't know if you can tell, but these are sort of arranged in a slight semi-circle. Like, and okay. I sort of put them to the side of my, like, my right side. So, yeah. this front line I can control with my feet while I'm playing. Your feet. But you kind of <laughs> can't see anything, like, while you're doing So, I'm very jealous of guitarists a lot, actually, who who... Can see the pedals when they hit them because you kind of have to learn by feel how to what to do. So you kind of have to have presets and sort of figure it out. But with the Pog, I just that's why I just you know it's it's sort of up on the second layer, and that's usually I would have to manually intervene and reach over like turn it on and and whatever. I wish I could play standing up. It's never like it doesn't feel right to me, so.
1: I mean, gee, you've already accomplished uh, having one three year old, like a master's uh, while doing uh, a director of engineering job and playing professional cello on Spotify. I mean, why not just add stand up cello to that? Like, you just add that. I could
0: probably figure it out, but also I'm 42 and I'm tired.
1: Okay, well, since we're in the Nerd Stack, that is super cool, by the way. And thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. some music in it. And, uh, like, I'm going to close out with another one in a second, but, like, but um, can we go upstack, right? Because we're we're yeah. we're in a group of nerds here. So like, okay, we already said we're we're kind of going through the pedals of this thing, and I'm guessing then those things feed into a computer, or like, what do you like? How do you go from the last of the pedals? Like, where does it go? Yeah. And and then and then like, where do you go from there? Like, I'm gonna keep pushing upstack till we get there.
0: So there's like, what's an your XLR, pipeline? There's an XLR, and it goes into. Um, an eight channel or maybe a 12 channel Claret, um, uh, like preamp, like rack unit on my, I'm, I'm, uh, currently sitting at my recording studio desk, which is also my office, home office. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and so that Claret holds all of, so I will often when I'm recording, I have my line in from my pedal board, but I also will have a few different lines from different, Mics placed throughout the the um, room, some closer to my cello. I have like an on oh, mic okay. back there that's yeah. like further away that's sort of getting room sound. And so I mix all of those into um, Ableton Live and those are like the full set. So I usually have like my standard would be like four to five tracks of cello, like recording at the same time all the time. So and that way you can kind various. of, when you go
1: to edit, you can, you can pick which, fa- which sound you want. Like, yeah. Them. And,
0: and you can almost like, you can also, I'm not as, as adept at this, uh, yet, but it's something I'm interested in. You can make, you can almost make this, the song about where the mic placement is. Colin Stetson does this really well with saxophone. I don't know if you've heard of Colin Stetson but he he plays the saxophone he's an instrumentalist saxophonist he also plays with like Bonnie Vare and like he tours with a lot of different people but um he has these instrumental saxophone records and like he has like mics placed on the saxophone and so it sounds like there's like percussion happening but it's really just like uh, the heavily mic'd keys that are hitting it's really cool sounding so like i like to think about things like that right
1: you record it you're going to yeah. go a- and edit right but then yeah. when you edit it like you know like i i'm dated it was a spit out in a a WAV file, an MP3, like, where does it go from there? And, like, and then where do you put it? Like, does it sit in a big hard drive? Like, again, I'm, I'm in the nerd corner here for a second. Yeah, a,
0: like... so if I'm working with a producer on a, on a cello arrangement, I usually take all the stems, so every single individual cello track. So he'll have to do the, like, clap sync with them, right? But they should be easy to do because they're just, like... Everything starts at the same point, so it should be automatically for him. Um, but I send all of those stems in a Dropbox. I put them in a Dropbox folder. The, the 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 engineers of the world, the sound engineers of the world, prefer Dropbox, in my experience. Um, I wonder so, if the
1: Dropbox guys know it if there's like a vertical. Like, <laughs> Dropbox, they're like.
0: I mean, it's so funny, producers. right? Like the Postal Service is like a band that like used to send their files to each other. Like that was they got their they got their name because they would like mail each other but this was like pre-dropbox so like now everybody uses dropbox not,
1: not is there gonna be like a band that's a terrible name called like the dropbox or something like maybe. that it's gonna be like yeah yeah it's uh it's coming yeah, right okay so it goes there they do their thing and then where does it go
0: well and they'll like tell me to fix some things or like we'll have back and forth right so that's part of the deal Is like they're like oh can you play this there or, i liked this but i want it earlier or you know uh, other stuff so we go back and forth we finalize everything and then they get the stems and then they can send it off to mixing and mastering with their people. In my case, if I'm making music for myself, I will send it to uh, like my good friend, Charlie is someone I work with a lot who he's like Steely Dan's front of house guy. So he's pretty good at sound. Um, And he has a studio. He does mastering and mixing. um, So I've, I've worked with him a little bit. Um, And then, you know, you mix it down into like one, Terribly condensed, hopefully not too terribly mastered MP3, um, and then and then you you send it to the distribution places.
1: Right? And what are those distribution places like? Cause I, you know, like, what this, do you do?
0: If you're an artist and you're on a label, then you have like official distribution through the label. But if you are doing your own label stuff, yeah. If then you're you a Colette, do, like what do you like, do? You sign up for like DistroKid. Well, oh well, I have myself on Bandcamp. Um ColetteCello.Bandcamp.com You can hear some See? Things.
1: Boom. Hit it. Um, Show notes. Sorry,
0: I didn't realize you were trying to get me to drop my Bandcamp or SoundCloud. Uh, yeah. I don't have a SoundCloud. Yeah, I'll see. I
1: was um, going to give you prompts because people want to... I want to find you. I want to find the stuff. It's yeah, great.
0: and then uh, obviously you heard stuff from my reel, which is stuff I've worked on with other artists. Um That's on Spotify. You can just look up Colette Reel. I think it's a public playlist, great. so anybody yeah, can
1: yeah. find it. This is awesome because you've now kind of given how you got here and how... How this all fits together from like the nerd plumbing, the SDLC of, of cello <laughs> production, right? Uh, we can optimize that pipeline, right? Uh, but, but like, how do you kind of fuse it together? So like you clearly, you know, we are all products of all the things we've done and how we think about things. Like, so how, do, how, does, this, how does this world of music project back to the way that you think about engineering stuff and like, or vice versa? I don't know. Like, how do they influence each other?
0: I mean, I do definitely like to say, like, everything I needed to learn about being in engineering management, I learned from being in bands. And I think that that it starts with psychological safety, which is obviously very used and in some cases overused and misused now in the industry. But, like, the example I love to give people when I talk about psychological safety is Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> and, like, about how they made one of the best records ever while they were all still fighting with each other. So it's not like, oh, yeah. you know, it's not like you have to like totally be in perfect harmony. Right. It's like, but you do have to feel safe enough to like talk about these really important things, uh, in order can, to, can, can I riff
1: for a quick second? Yeah. Like, uh, so I, so, you know, we started this company, there's three, three co-founders and, and, uh, Dave and Phil actually hired me Gee, 24 years ago. So I've known these guys for a long time. And, um, sometimes you meet people and be like, oh, you guys all, uh, you guys almost get along, right? And I'm like, no, we, 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 we fight like 25, you know, years of spouses together kind of stuff, right? (laughs) Like, um, but, but I so I completely agree with you. I'm riffing with with your comment around Fleetwood Mac. It's not that like you actually always get along and you're all kumbaya, um, -hmm. In fact, you actually need some you know, diversity and some argument sometimes on yeah. stuff. Um, but I, I've learned what does it actually mean to know and, and respect someone for a long time, and this goes back to team, is you're willing to finish the argument. Yeah. So, like, if you don't respect each other, you're like, hey, they don't agree with me, I'm out, right? And yeah. you're done. Like, there's no room for it. And I think what... Um, or it's a version of trust or respect or whatever word you want to introduce in here but i think it's in the same vein you're talking about you see the argument through you you finish the production
0: totally there's nothing more indicative of disagree and commit than having a fight with your bandmates and then walking out on stage and playing a show together because like you can you like can fight all you want you can like disagree all you want you can annoy each other all you want because you will because you will be stuck together for 24 hours a day. And like, that's just life. Um, But when you go out on stage together and you look at each other and you work and you, you play these songs together in front of people, it's like, it's your higher purpose. It's like why you do what you do. And, and it is like, I may disagree with you in these situations, but like, we're here to do work. Like we're here to make a show happen. And it's, and it's where we connect. It's where we like, it's what we love to do. And that is like the ultimate disagree and commit moment.
1: What's a little something cool you watched, you learned recently or you bought? Could be like, hey, like what's, you know, piece of media, something you bought that's cool that you want to share. that may have nothing to do with cello or engineering stuff, but you just think is cool because we're all, you know, you're an amazing person. What you think is cool is is probably really neat. So like what's something you discovered? You're like, that
0: is it. One thing. Okay. So there's an episode of Bluey. Um it's where bingo has a dream and i just want everybody to know that this the the i really hope that they release so the bluey soundtrack the the bluey se- season 2 soundtrack called dance mode is also is really cool but i, I for some reason they haven't released the this is like Dvorak, or I think it might be Stravinsky's Firebird, actually. That is almost the entire soundtrack for this one Bluey episode, and it just blew my mind because it was so perfect. And that's that's where my brain is right now. Bluey episodes and Stravinsky.
1: <laughs> hey, Bluey producers, you hear that? We want that on on, <laughs> on, on, on Spotify, like now. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Collette, thank you so much for spending time here today. This is like so much fun, and I know we all have to make room given. You know, kitten mornings and breakfasts and balloons and all that jazz. But it's wonderful to see you here on this, and it's been a lot of fun. So thanks, thanks for being for here.
0: Super chatting, it was super fun.
1: Andrew Lau here. I hope you enjoy this episode of Five to Nine. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on our next episode. Who knows what hidden talents or hobbies we'll discover on the next episode of Five to Nine.